diet is of huge importance in relation to the cultivation of appetite. Here's the principle. You will want more of whatever you feed yourself on. Diet shapes appetite over time. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And uh, Colin, for any person who has tried to change their diet, like I had to a number of years ago, (laughs) uh, they can kind of understand the spiritual principle. I remember when I was single... I ate a lot of food that was really, really bad for me, but it tasted good. <laughs> Way too much grease and all of that. And then after getting married, my wife, who eats very healthy, was like, no, we're, we're not eating that stuff. It's not coming in the house anymore. And I was disappointed at first, but I, I learned that I grew to like the healthy food. It really does change. I'm in the middle of it at the moment, trying to cut out some of these late night snacks. Okay. That's the killer, oh, you know, it really tough. is. Yeah, yeah, I tell you. Growing to like salad, gradually, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> but throw it, bacon on it. It really, yeah, it really is true. Diet shapes appetite over time. Yeah. And you change your diet It does actually change what you desire. Now, we're talking today about the wonderful word of Jesus when he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. How do you get an appetite for what's right? How do you have a deep longing within your soul to move in a direction that honors God? Well, diet shapes appetite over time. We're going to see how to cultivate a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. It's one of my greatest prayers for this program, that it would be a means of God's grace, that the diet of God's word through this very program would be part of shaping a hunger and a thirst for a life that really honors the Lord. Well, we're going to look at this principle from Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 6 today as we begin a message entitled, Cultivating a Godly Appetite. Here is Pastor Colin. Now, we saw last time that the mark of a true Christian is not that he or she feels that they are righteous, but that the true Christian longs to be more righteous than he or she is. When it comes to righteousness, we saw last time, the blessed people are not those who think they have it. They are those who are very aware of their need of it. And this fits with everything that we have been learning from the Beatitudes. We saw that the blessed person first has become poor in spirit. This person has come to see, I don't have what it takes before God. He therefore mourns over his sins. He sees that his sins are many, not few, becomes submissive to the will of God because he knows otherwise he will make a complete mess up of his life. And and out of this, what we saw comes a great hunger and thirst for God and for righteousness. By the way, are you not glad today that Christ did not say, blessed are the righteous, Because if he said, blessed are the righteous, that would not include any of us, would it? So it's not even the realization that is blessed. It is the desire itself that is blessed. And that desire is born in the heart of everyone who is inhabited by the Spirit of God. Now, thinking about the importance of uh, this, I've been thinking about the professions in which so many of you serve. I've been thinking about how many of you live in the world of of banking and of business and of law and of teaching and of finance and of medicine and of the caring professions and of trading and of construction and of manufacture and insurance and property development and on and on and on. And every one of these is a world of complexity in its own right. Endless ethical questions in every one of these areas in which you serve. 
Where are the boundaries between legitimate competition in your field and destructive aggression? Where is the line between using the systems that are in place in your business or line of work and manipulating these systems? Where is the line between appropriate reward for work that is well done and profit that has been gained and raw self-interest? And in any line of business, of course, there are people who need to be restrained lest they exploit others. So what do we have? regulation. Pages and pages and pages and pages of it. Documents, procedures, processes that become endlessly oppressive within the range of professions in which so many of you are living your lives. And here's the deal. Every regulation that has ever been passed has multiple loopholes. And human ingenuity will always find them. Every law, every regulation, every process, every procedure. So what hope is there for righteousness? Only one. That there might be some people who actually want it. And hunger and thirst after it. And I want you to think about the world in which you live for a moment here today and to try and imagine the difference it would make if at every level of your business, every level of your profession, there were people who hungered and thirsted for righteousness. Who instead of saying, what's in it for me, would really decide and act and behave out of the question, what honors God and what will be good for others as well as for us? And as you think of the transforming power that such a scenario would be, ask God from your heart today, oh God, make me one of these people. Make me one of these people. Because to those people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus says just a few verses further on, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You, in other words, can do, you who hunger and thirst after righteousness can do what government regulation can never do. It can only restrain in some degree, and it, it only works within certain boundaries. But you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. If you really want righteousness and you truly hunger for it, it's the only way there'll ever be righteousness on the face of the earth, that there would be some people who actually want it. And we've been learning that that comes out of what? It comes out of these holy roots of seeing that I don't have what it takes before God. My own sins are many. I need to submit myself to the will and to the purpose of God. And out of that comes in the people of God a genuine hunger and thirst for righteousness. Oh God, in my profession, make me one of these people.
Now, that's really where we got last time. You know, our pattern by now is to spend two weeks on each beatitude, the first to learn what it is that Christ is calling us to, and the second for us to ponder together how we can actually do it. So today is application, and today we're asking the question, how then can I cultivate this holy hunger and thirst? How can I cultivate a healthy spiritual appetite? Now, I've been enjoying again this week some of the great insights that as folks have been uh, sharing their, their insights. One lady shared this wisdom that I think is very helpfully expressed. Uh, she said, hunger is natural, appetite can be cultivated. Now, that's very helpful. You can learn to like and enjoy things that at one time you had no taste for, and all of us have experienced this. Paul says to Timothy, train yourself in godliness train yourself in godliness. That's 1 Timothy 4, 7. In other words, Paul's saying to this young pastor, there are certain things that you can do that will cultivate your own growth in godliness. Train yourself in godliness. Appetite can be cultivated. I was talking this week with uh, someone who has survived a major heart attack, nearly took his life. And he described the experience. Some of you have gone through something like this, and in the mercy of God, you have been given life again. He said, it was like an elephant sitting on my chest. That's quite a description. In the kindness of God, he's made a good recovery, and part of that recovery has involved a complete change of diet. So I said, tell me about that. What did you used to eat? What did you used to enjoy? And I'm sure he ate other things, but he said to me, well, burgers, fries, pizza, and ice cream. And he said, and the doctor said to me, you're going to have a complete change of diet. And here's what it's going to look like. It's going to be low fat, it's going to be low sodium, it's going to be vegetables, it's going to be fish, it's going to be chicken, grilled and not fried, and some rice. And my friend said, I said to myself, this is going to be torture. It's going to be torture. I asked him how the change had gone. He said, well, at first it seemed, you know, like all the food was bland, it was tasteless, but after a while I began to think, this is not so bad. I felt better, I felt more energy. So I said to him, well, what about the burgers? And he said, well, you know, the smell of burgers is still good, but, you know, I try to remember the elephant sitting on my chest. He said, you know, actually, um, recently uh, I had a few fries off the side of someone else's plate, you know, just for fun, and I felt a bad stomach afterwards, and I realized my whole appetite has actually changed. And I said to him, well, how long did that take? And he said, well, really, it began to change after about two months. Now, I'm trying to give you that as a snapshot, not because we're here for a lesson on nutrition. We're here to talk about the cultivation of the soul. But we're using this analogy that Jesus uses. He says, hungering and thirsting. He's connecting into the world that we all understand, the world of food and of diet, and he's using that analogy to help us think about the cultivation of the soul and of the spiritual life. And uh, here is this man's testimony that a change of diet 
led to a change of appetite. That's a very, very important insight to grasp. And it took about two months and and then longer to, to really settle it. Change of diet will change your appetite. So here's something very interesting, just thinking about that at a church level. I'm struck by how many visitors who come new to our church will make a comment about how strong the love of the Word of God is in this congregation. People will make comments about this quite regularly. You will hear that, I expect, and all of the other pastors do too. My, this congregation really has a great appetite for the Word of God. And so you ask the question, well, where did that appetite come from? The answer is, the appetite came from the diet. This is a congregation that has been feeding on the Word of God in substance for nearly 60 years. And 60 years of diet has cultivated appetite. Now, this is true of any diet. You feed a congregation, a diet of entertainment, guess what? What emerges is a congregation with an endless hunger for entertainment. What are you going to do to tickle me now? You feed a congregation a diet of pop psychology. What do you do? You create an appetite for pop psychology. And and so the demand is for pastors who will produce that. and, And so the cycle goes on. Diet is of huge importance in relation to the cultivation of appetite. Here's the principle. You will want more of whatever you feed yourself on. So choose your diet carefully. This is of huge importance for every parent as you're thinking about raising your children, the words that you speak, the choices that you make, what you give, what you withhold. Think about this question all the time. What is the diet on which my my children are, are growing up? What will a diet of constant affirmation, only affirmation, produce? An endless, endless, never satisfied, I need to be told all the time, you see. What will a diet of endless criticism produce? A sense of constant condemnation running through all of life. What, what will a diet of getting everything that I ever want produce? A, an insatiable desire that comes from a soul that thinks of myself as if I were God. So, so the diet produces the appetite. And once you see that principle, you can begin to think it through, and we can talk it through further in the life groups this week, because it has so many applications across every area of life. Diet shapes appetite over time. That's the principle. Diet shapes appetite over time. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Cultivating a Godly Appetite. We'll continue in a moment, so stay with us. Well, this program that you're listening to on the radio is part of a larger series called Momentum, and it's been turned into a book as well. Maybe you'd like to learn how to pursue God's blessing through the Beatitudes. We'd love to send you Pastor Cullen's book on this as our way of saying thank you for your financial support. Find out more or give online at OpenTheBible.org. That's OpenTheBible.org. Well, if diet cultivates appetite over time, as Pastor Cullen was just talking about, how can we cultivate the right kind of appetite? Let's get back to the message. Again, here's Pastor Cullen. Now... Today we really want to focus in on this great question then, 
How can I cultivate a godly appetite? How can I strengthen this desire within me for righteousness, this hunger and thirst for God? We ended last week with a great prayer from A.W. Tozer where he says, I want to want you, O God. I want to want you. I thirst to be more thirsty still. How can I cultivate this hunger and this thirst, this spiritual appetite after the things of God? Well, I want to um, offer you five strategies here today. I had a delightful letter handwritten in pencil this week from a middle school student, 11 years old. His name is Peter. Dear Pastor Colin, my name is Peter. I am a Boy Scout. I liked your sermon on meekness, especially the 10 ways to be meek. Could you please send me 10 ways to do all the other Beatitudes as well? <laughs> I phoned him up. We had a lovely chat about it. And my apologies to Peter. I'm way short this week. There's only five. Five strategies for cultivating a godly appetite. Here's number one, and you won't be surprised by it. Gain momentum from the first three Beatitudes. That's the first. Gain momentum from the first three Beatitudes. Now, by this stage in the series, uh, those of you who've been following along will say, I thought it might be that, because we keep coming back to this point that the Beatitudes cannot be treated in isolation. They are progressive. Each of the Beatitudes assumes all of the ones that went before. And that is why we have pictured them as uh, being like rings. And the way in which you move from one ring to the other, like the monkey swing, is the momentum you gain from swinging on the first is what enables you to reach the second. The momentum from swinging on the second is what enables you to reach the third, and so forth and so on. By the way, that does not mean that you need to spend six weeks on being poor in spirit and a month and a half on mourning over your sins and so forth. It may very well be that the Spirit of God may birth all of these things in your heart at the same time, even today, that you may come to the place of saying, oh, I really don't have what it takes, and I'm suddenly seeing my sins in a way I didn't see them before, and I need to submit myself to the will of Christ, and a hunger and thirst after righteousness is being born within me right now. That may happen to you today with great power by the Holy Spirit. All I'm saying is that to make progress through these Beatitudes that are given to us in a very particular order, none of them can be missing. There is a flow that runs through them. This is the way in which the Spirit of God generates momentum and progress in the Christian uh, life. Each of the Beatitudes assumes the ones that went before. And so here's the great encouragement. If indeed you come to the place of knowing your own poverty before God, and if indeed you come to see your sins and to mourn over them, and if indeed out of that there is a sense within your soul that you need to submit yourself more fully to Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, then out of that will come, will come, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. This is just the life that comes out of these roots, and these roots produce this life wonderfully, beautifully. But understand this, you can't simply start on the fourth beatitude. You can't simply say, now how am I going to become more righteous, and how am I going to have a great spiritual passion? You have to start from the beginning, gain momentum from the first three beatitudes. That's number one. Here's number two. Practice fasting from legitimate pleasures. Practice fasting from legitimate 
pleasures. Remember, Jesus spoke about whoever would come after me, he said, must deny himself. There are multiple applications of that, and this is one of them. Now, again, we're just thinking by way of analogy from the world of food. One way to spoil your appetite is to snack between meals. If you snack on chips throughout the afternoon, guess what? Your appetite will not be sharp when it comes to your dinner in the evening. So the principle here is a very simple one. Every mother has taught this to their children, even if it's not always been obeyed. Uh, Restrict what spoils your appetite. Don't snack between meals. We understand that principle very, very clearly. Now, the point here is not that there is something wicked or sinful about eating chips in the afternoon. There is not. Doritos, after all, are a good gift from God, are they not? (laughs) This is surely an, an amen moment. But here's the point. We all know this, that eating in at the wrong time and in the wrong amount will spoil your appetite. That's the key. The wrong time and the wrong amount. Now, let's apply this obvious principle about uh, appetite and how it gets spoiled uh, from the world of the body into the world of the soul. And let's put it this way, legitimate pleasures, legitimate pleasures, at the wrong time and in the wrong amount will spoil your appetite for holiness. Legitimate pleasures like sports, and travel, and entertainment that are all good gifts from God. Legitimate pleasures, in the wrong amount and in the wrong place, will dull you and make you sluggish in your following after Jesus Christ. A person who crams their lives full of legitimate pleasures will not have a deep hunger and thirst for righteousness because that appetite will have been spoiled by the consumption of other legitimate things, but in the wrong proportion and in the wrong time and place and so forth. And perhaps all of us who are Christians can identify times in our lives where we have looked at ourselves and we've said, am I really living the best life that I could? Am I really pursuing in every way all that I could be for Jesus Christ? And we have these sort of moments of of insight, and then sometimes we we kind of just settle back into the kind of routine that's that's occupying us and and shaping us. And what has happened to that that passion that was there? Uh, Somehow an appetite has been spoiled. Somehow an appetite has been diminished. And how has it been diminished? It has been diminished by legitimate comforts, pleasures, pursuits, and enjoyment. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Cultivating a Godly Appetite, part of our series, Momentum. It's all about how to make progress in the Christian life. And if you ever miss a broadcast in the series, a couple different ways that you can go back and get that. You can get the Open the Bible app, which you'll find at your app store. It's free, and you can listen to both the daily and weekend programs. You can also listen through our website. You can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. Our website address is openthebible.org. 
Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported program. We're able to be on this station because of your generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you Pastor Colin's book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. And Colin, what can we learn from the Beatitudes? Well, the Beatitudes are the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ on how to have a blessed life. And who wouldn't want to pull up a chair and listen to the Son of God tell us how we can be blessed? That's what's laid out in the Beatitudes. And here's the wonderful thing. The Lord Jesus tells us not only what it means to be blessed, but how we can actually pursue the blessing of God in our lives. So if you're looking to grow in your Christian life, you want to know more of the blessing of God, well, there's no better place for you to look than the Beatitudes. Well, we would love to send you Pastor Cullen's book called Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month. You can give over the phone by calling us at 1-877-673-6365 or online. Our website is openthebible.org. Again, the phone number is 877-OPEN-365, and the website is openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. Changing your diet over time leads to a change of appetite. Discover five strategies for changing your spiritual appetite next time on Open the Bible.